Very quickly, before we begin, happy January. In this month, I'm keen to do a listener survey. I want to hear from you. What do you love about the show? What do you not love so much? What would you like to see more of? How has this show helped you? Head on over to firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash say. That's forward slash S-A-Y to have your say. This show is to serve you and I want to make it as targeted and relevant and helpful as possible for you. So firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash say. There are prizes on offer through the month of January if you get on there and complete the survey. Thanks so much. Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome back to the show for 2021. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences, that predictably work. Now, we are facilitators, we are first-time facilitators, or we're trying to get into the profession of facilitation. What facilitation is for me is, uh, well, there is a Latin phrase, which is about making easier. I also believe it's about creating some type of change. We want a type of transformation, right? We want people having entered our room or our virtual room feeling one way or uh, seeing things in one way or experiencing and then walking out with perhaps a different perspective. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, why else would you run something? There needs to be some type of transformation, no matter how big or small. And I love how Marco Bongo Stania talks about easy change and hard change, but there needs to be some something that's changed or shifted for your participants as a result of having participated in one of your workshops or meetings and and that's a reason why I guess people engage facilitators or have us at meetings is because they want a different result. So what better time to talk about change and making a difference than at the start of another year. And this podcast it focuses a lot on what we can do to help our participants make that shift. But for this episode I really want to talk about the change that's required from us. One of my favorite lessons learned from previous first-time facilitator podcast guests, he's been on the show twice, and world-leading expert Mark Bowden would say, is that as facilitators, we are the leading signal in the room. People look to us to decide how they should act, think, and feel. So, uh, And he talks about that in the context of when you're beginning your workshop, um, what kind of feeling do you want to represent and what he wants to represent when he starts his workshops is a feeling of calm so you won't see mark running around uh, testing the technology he'll do that all beforehand but when participants are in the room he's very calm actually there was another podcast i listened to just on a side note uh, i think it was on don miller's story brand podcast and that would one of the guests i can't remember who it was was saying his goal as a leader in any type of meeting is to have the lowest heart rate in the room. Isn't that cool? I I just love that. So yeah, people looking to us to, as leaders, as facilitators, to decide how they should then be acting. So I think as leading signals, we need to role model this, particularly when it comes to change. So if we're asking our participants to change or our groups to do something different or think a different way, we need to role model that. We need to be beacons of change and to share experiences and stories of where we've done something that's been you know, difficult, challenging, easy perhaps, but we have made a shift as well. So this episode, I'm going to explore some ideas when it comes to change and particularly a phrase I'm now loving is a phrase, it's called constructive delusion. 
I've really latched onto it since discovering it. I'll share how I discovered it in the episode. A few quick housekeeping things, though, in the world of first-time facilitators, seeing as we are kicking off a new year. Uh, Interview format will resume next week, and the show format will continue with interview-style shows mixed with solo episodes, mixed with some live streams. But that's the point of the survey I was talking about at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash say. I'm really keen to hear from you on what format you like, what interviews, guests, you want to hear more of content, that sort of thing. Um, I'm always aiming to reinvent and target content that supports you. So make sure you complete that survey. I really want you to get involved. The Flipchart community is a free group on Facebook where there are a bunch of friendly people sharing facilitation ideas. Uh, so you can find that in the show notes for this one at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode one. Five, four. It's called the flip chart. You can engage there. You can also sign up to my newsletter at leannehughes.com forward slash subscribe. And something else I'm um, enjoying or just trying out this year or maybe even the month of the first few months, who knows how this goes, but there's a cool website I discovered. It's called buy me a coffee. So if you want to support the show and uh, I get all my great ideas over a cup of coffee. So you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Leanne Hughes. That link will also be in the show notes. Um, And if you want to support my ideation process over a cup of coffee, that would be amazing. I'd be super grateful. You can, uh, again, find the links for the coffee support, everything else mentioned, as well as stuff that I mentioned in this episode, including links to books, resources over at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 154. Now onto the show. Back on the 30th of December, 2019, I remember I was in an Airbnb at the Gold Coast, just lounging around when my sister, Teresa, she was, she was scrolling through social media and she said, hey, hey, Leanne, there's this group of people who were running 2020 kilometers next year. And I immediately sat up right in my seat. And I just love the sound of that. It just sounded really compelling, right? 2020 kilometers in 2020, what a cool challenge. So I quickly took out my phone. I scrolled over to the calculator app and I did the math. 2020 divided by 52 equals 39 kilometers a week. Or if you divide it by 365, it was 5.53 kilometers a day. Didn't sound too bad. Now, this group running the challenge, they were using Garmin to track their stats, but I'm a bit of a Nike Plus Club runner. That's an app on the iPhone. Uh, it's on Android as well. But I've been using the Nike app for six years, so I didn't really want to switch. We're talking about change. Well, I was very comfortable in using that app. So I thought I'd start my own 2020 kilometer challenge using the Nike app. Um, I set up the challenge really easily using the app. All I had to do was enter the distance, which was 2020, the time frame, which was the 1st of Jan 2020 to the 31st of December 2020. My next step was to put the call out on social media and I found 14 other people, friends, acquaintances uh, who were interested. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it created a Facebook group, and then all of that running banter began. Now, I actually recently wrote an article about this challenge uh, a couple of days ago as I finished. So I did end up running the 2020 kilometers. And in the article, I shared seven ways to create that habit shift, which I'll, I'll share some of those strategies later on. But I really wanted to hone in on point number seven. Uh, and that was a point around constructive delusion. To explain that concept of constructive delusion, I'll actually share the podcast clip where I found it from so you get the context on that. Now, this is episode 513 of This American Life. In this episode, the journalist 
work. They're following a car dealership as they try and hit a target of selling 129 vehicles for the month. It's actually replays. So this American Life, uh, it's a 25th year anniversary. So they're replaying some of their best of episodes. And this is one of my favorites. I'll pop a link to it in the show notes. In this clip though, uh, they're actually profiling the salespeople. And the salesperson they're focusing on in this clip is a guy called Jason, who is one of the standout performers. And here's a snippet of the conversation. What took me a while to understand is how Jason sells so many cars or what he's doing differently than everybody else. And we asked pretty much everybody else this question, but their answers were kind of generic. He's a good-looking kid, good personality, got the gift of the gab. Even Jason sort of defaults to truisms when you ask him what his secret is. Says he treats every customer like he would want to be treated. But as much as you can figure out anybody in less than a week, I think Jason's success is due to three basic attributes, three characteristics he has that have propelled him to the top. So I'll go through those now. Number one, constructive delusion. Now, Jason knows that a certain percentage of customers, depending on the month, will walk away from him without buying a car. Of course that happens. And yet, paradoxically, he enters every negotiation full in the knowledge that it will not happen. As we're sitting there, he drew a picture of a very lopsided hourglass with a line across the skinny part. You know, are you looking at it half empty or half full? You know what I mean? Are you optimistic or are you, you know, what's the other word? Pessimistic. Pessimistic. To Jason, the glass is not half empty and it is not half full. You know, me, I'm always at 100. It is 100% full. Yeah, it's full. And they're like, what the hell? No, it's not. There's only half of the water there. No, 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 no. No, it's full to me. I remember when I first had that clip, I was out running around in central Queensland early this year and I just laughed out loud when that clip came on because Jason had so much constructive delusion. He didn't even know the word that was the opposite of optimistic, which of course, yeah, is pessimistic, which the journalist had to tell him. He didn't even know the word. It wasn't even on his radar. Uh, So in the context of the running example, um, I think I was constructively delusional about it all because when I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, 5.3 Ks a day, that's really achievable. But what I didn't really factor in was the consequence of skipping a day. So that was under the assumption that I would run every day for 5.53 kilometers. Uh, but as we know, you need a bit of recovery. And if you skip one day of running, you might not be feeling too well. Well, the next day to maintain that average, you need to run 11 kilometers the next day. I didn't even think about that at all. It wasn't on my radar. I was constructively delusioned. So I um, also use this constructive delusion when it came to trying to catch up over the course of running 20, 20 kilometers, the 5.53 kilometers a day average that didn't last long at all. As I said, because I just couldn't keep it up all the time. So in March, my average, it was up to about six kilometers a day. Uh, And last month in December, I had to run nine, nine and a half kilometers a day to hit the target. But that phrase kept sort of hitting me, um, the one about procrastination, the biggest time-saving device of today is tomorrow. That really rang true on this challenge. But it also, I guess I had this constant faith that I would get there. Uh, I knew that I'd suffer a little bit later on in the month of December, I'd really have to pull through. And it was hard because December is like international celebration month. International Drinking Month, so it was. Um, I was really quite busy in the, in the month of December. Now, the funny thing about my approach to this challenge and running, and the reason I'm bringing up in this 
podcast is it's kind of exactly how I approach so many other things in my life. So I'll do a bit of work to position myself uh, when running a project, but it's only through that impending deadline or the public accountability that I will rise to the challenge and make sure that I do you know, move heaven and earth to get things done like I did in December. I could have easily stacked up more kilometers through the year and made it easy for myself in December, but it was too easy, right? Um, particularly in winter when it's easier to run. But all I did was just, I was like, all right, I'll just try and maintain, maintain, and then I'll put that extra effort and surge in. And I did that a lot. Um, even with this podcast, I've been writing it. I've been thinking about it for a week. I'm publishing it today, the day it's meant to go live. I'm recording it right now. So it's the same thing that's just playing out. And if I think of the um, really, really successful people I know, the people, the leaders that I've enjoyed working with, I do see in them an element of constructive delusion. Now, let's not get this confused with delusion. Um, constructive delusion. I think that just has to be to inspire extra effort and get people really excited. When I was thinking about the workforce and where this played out, I used to work for a company called Wicked Campers. Um, they're a bit controversial. I've spoken about them before on this show. Um, but the boss there, John, I remember when I walked into his office one day. Now, office is a bit of a loose word. Uh, there was basically graffiti artwork everywhere. There's just paper all over. <laughs> but, um, and I think at that stage, what year was this? 2007. I think his company had about 2,000 vans around the world. And he had spray painted on the back of his wall, 20,000 vans worldwide in five years. It was just huge writing. And as the marketing person for him, I just remember reading it and going, oh, there's no way that can happen. No way. Um, And as a leader of the business, that was his vision. And we often talk about the BHAG. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, BHAG, which stands for big, hairy, audacious goal. And the reasoning behind that, I think it was first published in a Harvard Business Review. I'll have to find the article to pop in the show notes. The the BHAGs often talked about as a way of motivating people to, to inspire action because it is something so crazy and ambitious that it requires people to go above and beyond and and dig in to find something deeper in them to achieve it. You know, rather than saying, oh, we're going to build, right, we've got a thousand vans, we're going to build to 1,500 in a year, I mean, that's that's not much of a stretch. It's not so exciting. It's, it seems like, oh, yeah, if we just continue the way we're going, we'll do that. But to put a vision of 20,000 and scaling like 10x, that requires a an operating system shift. That, com- that requires a complete overhaul into what you're currently thinking and, and current processes and a new way of thinking. So the BHAG, I think, is probably... Uh, the same thing as constructive delusion. I just like the phrase. I think BHAG, if you've been in management, it's kind of overused now. So constructive delusion is the new BHAG. <laughs> just bringing to this, the context of a workshop though, I think where, um, and I certainly have been relying on the tried and true tested methods of at the end of the workshop, okay, what was one thing that you learned or what's one thing that you'll do next? And I think, yep, I've done this for a while yet. On this podcast, I talk about unpredictability. So I'd love to challenge myself. And if you're listening, what are some other ways that we can inspire people to make changes that really lean into that thing of constructive delusion? Could they, like, what's something that is such a stretch for them? It's achievable, so it's not delusional, but it requires uh, a shift in their thinking in order to do it. That will then inspire the action. And that's probably the question that, 
we always kind of get stuck on as facilitators is, well, we've done all this great work to inspire and to get, think, you know, to transform mindsets and, and shift ways of thinking. And we've come up with creative solutions. What happens after we leave? And we can't control what anyone does, but how can we inspire a new direction of thinking? And can we use constructive delusion to do that? And it doesn't have to be done in any type of crazy way. Uh, as an example, I was listening to Jim Rohn on Audible. Uh, actually, that links into John, the, the previous owner. So he's the guy that got me back into listening to personal development. I love leaders that do that. He just gave me the Jim Rohn CDs. This is back in 2007. And I was hooked. Uh, Jim Rohn, you can get his Audible collection on Amazon. I'll pop a link in the show notes. It's just awesome. Uh, a collection of his uh, books, his lessons, his lectures. Uh, so you can listen to it for quite a while. Hopefully you come back to the podcast after you do listen to it. <laughs> but in one of the sessions on this Audible recording, Jim was running a goal setting session live for his participants. And he's recording this live. So what he does is... Uh, because it's a recording, you pause it and you respond. So I wanted to share some of those prompt questions with you um, because I do think they link in this whole thing of constructive delusion. The first thing he does before he throws out the constructive delusion question is he'll actually get them to write. He'll prime them. And the question he asks is this, I want you to list five things that you've accomplished in your life that you're already proud of. So what he does is he primes people to feel good about themselves by writing five things that they've done that they've you know pretty proud of. So pause the recording there. And if you want to, you can do this as you listen to me and pause it and write down five things that you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of. That's a great question to start the conversation. The next question he asks is, what do you want in the next 10 years? What do you want in the next 10 years? Now, the caveat to this is you need to make a list of at least 50 items. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, how do I write 50 things? Um, I had the same experience when I went to Sean D'Souza's workshop in Singapore, which I talk about a lot. We're talking about writing a sales page. And he goes, right, if you're selling a program, I want you to write 60 features and benefits of that. And when he said that, we're like, how the heck can you do that? So... That's the response we want from our participants when we throw these questions out, these construct delusion questions. We want them going, how on earth could I do that? And could you do it? Like, did I do it in Singapore? Yes. Can you do this with a list of items in the next 10 years? I challenge you to pause this recording now and make a list of 50 items of things that you want in the next 10 years. Now, I'm going to quote Jim. This is what he says in the recording. I think it's very important. This is not what you think you can get. This is what you want. If everything fell into place and you could have everything you wanted in the next 10 years, what would that be? It's not something you think you could earn, not something you think you could buy, not something you think you could finally be successful that you could get. Write a list of what would really do it for you in the next 10 years and put one item under the other and write as fast as you can, abbreviate if you want. Let your dreams run free here. It's not what you think you can get, but what you want if everything fell into place. Little things, major things, insignificant things, it doesn't matter. Just make the list. Places you want to visit, experiences you'd like to have, 
some changes you want to make, habits you'd like to drop, habits you'd like to acquire. Make a list of the people you'd like to meet. Write it down. Hopefully you've paused this and you're making your little list. Um, I just love this exercise and it's a great example of constructive delusion. So basically when we throw out a question of what do you want, the first thing our brain will do is to write down everything we think we can achieve. But he says, no, no, it's not about that. It's what do you want if everything fell into place? And as the activity moves through, Jim will add things like, you know, a cabin in the mountains, a role in a movie, winning an Olympic gold medal. So just throw out little examples to get your mind thinking bigger than what you usually would do, being a little more constructively delusional. (laughs) Sorry, I laugh every time I say that because I just love the phrase. And the reason I'm really sharing this idea with you in the, in the first part of the year is because often the first person we have to convince or beat to even make our, our ideas or wishes come true is ourselves. Um, I mentioned this in last year's goal setting podcast. Uh, the episode was called That Which You Can Plan Is Too Small For You To Live. It's a David White quote. It's episode 98. Uh, and that in that episode, episode 98, I actually give you more ideas on how to plan your year. And I'm not going to repeat them in this year's episode. You can listen to that. We talk about theming your year and mind mapping. The, the tools that I got off Jenny Blake, uh, it's a good one to listen to if you want to make some more plans. But for this episode, let's focus on the constructive delusion part of it. But um, to be constructively delusional, you need to answer these questions by writing responses down that are a little embarrassing. Not even a little, a, a pretty embarrassing for you to share. Like if, if you were writing it and someone looked over your shoulder, you're like, Ugh, oh, I don't know if I should show you that because I don't even know if I could do it. And it feels weird for me to even write it down. So I'm embarrassed to share with you um, some of mine, which included like three books published in the next 10 years. Um, one of them was that I'm invited to be a guest on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Oh my gosh, that would be the ultimate, not because of that experience, but also what type of person do I need to become where Tim Ferriss would reach out and invite me to be on his podcast? I think there's a lot of um, joy in thinking about that and also a lot of fear. Also, I've written a million dollar beachfront. Like I love the beach. I want to be there running on by the ocean. And yeah, it's embarrassing for me to tell you all that. But if I can't even have that dream for myself, what are the chances of that happening? And you can run this with your family. So um, actually, Chris and I have been using the uh, Hero on a Mission program. That's a program through Don Miller's Business Made Simple University. So you can sign up for his university platform. It's, I think, 297 US for the year. And you get access to all of his programs, which include proposal writing and copywriting and all that sort of stuff. But the Hero on a Mission program is awesome. So basically just print it out. Uh, the workbook PDFs that came with that. Chris and I sat down in front of the TV, so I didn't do it in front of a computer. Just hook up your computer to your TV or however you do it through Apple TV and watch the videos and write your notes. It's awesome. And it's very similar what he does there. I mean, you actually start the program by writing your obituary. Sounds kind of morbid, but you do get pretty emotional when you think, you know, what do I want to be remembered for? And then you write your 10, 5 and 1 year plans and re-engineer everything, right? So what cast that vision, that constructive delusion for the future and think, well, what do I need to do today t- to hit that? And that's what Jim talks about is chunking things down to make it more accessible. Like I took the 2020 and I divided that by 365. Yeah, I didn't chunk it down and, and sort of factor in days where I wouldn't run. But hey, 
it, it actually worked. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. So if I talked about, I shared that openly with you is that I want to be a published writer uh, and to become a writer, James Clear talks about it. If you want to become the noun, the writer or the author, you've got to do the verb, which is writing. So I only a couple of days before New Year's, I think it was on the 30th of December, I went onto Instagram stories and I said, hey, who wants to be part of a writing challenge? I'm thinking we just start. So for a minimum of 21 minutes a day for five days a week, for 52 weeks we write and we'll log our habits on an app called Habit Share and use Facebook groups to communicate and um, share our wins and our challenges and what we're talking about and what we're writing about. And I've had about 40 people from around the world. Just a free challenge. We just all signed up and we're all part of it. Um, and as of today, I've written for, I think, four days in a row. So it's because I cast that vision out that made it really clear on things that I should start pursuing and saying yes to. That's the other good thing. If you're, if you're really struggling, like I do sometimes with saying yes or no to projects, having an obituary, a 10-year vision, five years and a one-year plan really helps you to assess things and go, right, that is aligned to that vision. So I'll say yes, or I can't see this aligning or supporting that vision. So I will say no. Again, linking this back to workshops, that's why we're listening to this podcast, First Time Facilitator, is I want you to think about to any workshop that you've been to where a facilitator has stretched you. They've thrown you an activity and the group has collectively gone, how can we do that? We can't do that. Um, And usually it's one of those kind of innovation challenges or it's a group challenge where you've got limited time or you've got to transfer something from one room to another and you've got limited moves to do that with or that stretches you and it really creates that buzz, excitement, enthusiasm, energy, and you want something challenging enough, but also uh, that you can say, right, when they completed it, you can reflect on that and go, how do you then bring this and how do you connect this, that feeling back into the real world and what you're doing? And like I said before, many of the great leaders I worked for in organizations, they brought out strategies and plans or visions where you'd, you'd see them immediately go, oh, there's no way we could do that. And then you give yourself a minute to think about it and you'd say, oh, how could we do that? Just a caveat on this. There is another type of delusion though, um, where people cram like hundreds of strategic initiatives into one quarter. Um, that's not the same as what I'm talking about. So it's about the quality of the task, that the quality of stretch it'll give you, um, not about the quantity and smashing people and, and uh, overworking them. So yeah, I've certainly also had the other experience where it's kind of the delusional experience where I've got to plan um, like a quarterly plan and I've shaken my head going there's no way we can do that in more of a sense of like there isn't a way we could do all that it's just not realistic <laughs> so just a quick caveat um, yeah what I'd share so as I mentioned earlier we need to be the change as facilitators we need to be that leading signal in the room and to share experiences of how we overcome it and through that we actually pick up some habits and things or triggers that helped us make the change it's very easy and I certainly do it all the time like I I read books like Atomic Habits which is the best book on change at the moment and and sustaining habits and I'll quote James Clear all the time but have I actually utilized what he's teaching in that in my own example and that's why I'm doing things like 20-20 kilometers of running and 21 minutes daily of writing what is going to change what can I share what are my experiences that can help sculpt the lessons I share with my participants
like I said, I wrote an article about what I learned from my 2020 kilometer running challenge where I shared seven lessons and number seven was constructive delusion. I will quickly touch on the other six, but if you, you want to read the article, I'll pop it in the show notes as well. And these were the ideas and strategies that I used to create my own habit change. They may not all apply to you, but I am sharing it in case something resonates with you and you want to include it as part of your change journey in 2021 or the groups that you work with. So lesson one was... You don't need long lead up time to create your new habit. I think often we procrastinate and overthink the new habit, but if you just sign up and start, that is the best way to get momentum. It's the same thing as as Jenny Blake says, act now and your courage will follow. So even with the 2021 writing challenge, everyone's like, oh, what are you going to write? I don't know. I'm just going to go to my blank page every day and just start writing and use a process of writing to figure out what my writing project will be. I haven't thought, thought about it. I'm, I'm currently just journaling and brainstorming and consolidating ideas. Um, I'm thinking of using it to brainstorm my online course for this year and a book that I want to write, that first published book. Um, but I don't know what that concept is. I'm playing around with ideas through the process of writing. My second lesson was to use tools that already exists to make it even easier to set up. I gave the example before of how it took me 20 seconds in the Nike app to create that challenge. I think sometimes as facilitators, particularly if we're an external um, consultant, we will use the tools that we prefer, but you've got to embed with whatever the company uses. So using the existing intranet, um, using the platforms they already use to create the system to embed this, don't bring in another tool because that's another barrier to doing that. So as much as I don't like Facebook, um, I've got two groups on there, the flip chart, obviously, and I've got this writing challenge now. It is the most, for, for everyone involved, it's the lowest friction option to use it. So that's lesson number two is to use systems and tools that are already being used. Lesson three It's all in the name. Call your new formed habits something cool. So the 2020 kilometer running challenge is something immediately compelling about that. The challenge, it is what it is. Um, And you could pretty much put it in a hashtag. So that's probably the the test would be, can you hashtag it? For our writing challenge, the hashtag is hashtag 21 and 5 write, kind of rhymes. Um, I was kind of inspired because it has the verb in it. It has 21, what we're doing, 21 minutes a day, plus it's the year 2021 Five days a week, 21 and five, write. That's it. And we're not being really specific on what you must write. Like it's not about you must write a book by the end of it. It is we're going to put the time in five days a week for 21 minutes a day and write, write what you like. So there's something about a name. And I think a lot of the work that we do in terms of behavior change is really about marketing effort. So getting tools from marketing and bringing that into the way that you run one of these experiences. Lesson four is you don't need the masses. Power and group accountability can come with tiny numbers. Like I said, we only had, I think it was 14 people. And over the course of the year, it ended up just being three of us that completed the challenge. Things like injury, um, people in quarantine, in other parts of the world where they couldn't get out and run, um, or they just got really tired and dipped out. So you don't, uh, it was fine though, to have three people at the end, we still kept each other accountable to doing it, checked in with each other. I think we often think like, oh, we need huge numbers, but you you might find diminishing returns with that as well. Even with our writing challenge this year, we've got 40 people. I'm thinking, oh gosh, we should probably 
split into groups of or have accountability groups of about maybe five to seven people just so as a participant you're not feeling anonymous because the second you're anonymous and you think oh it doesn't people aren't like they don't really care about my result you might also check out so tiny numbers is great if you want to start a challenge just invite your best buddies and start lesson five your challenge probably isn't the real challenge (laughs) i've talked about michael bunga saying it before on the show again in this episode one of the seven coaching questions is what's the real challenge here We often assume the real challenge is the one staring us in the face. Uh, For the running challenge, the running part wasn't the real challenge. The real challenges were getting enough sleep and getting to sleep early to fuel the run the next day, working around travel schedules and forecasting dates that I could sneak in the run, making rest and recovery a priority. Even when I had to get out and clock more kilometers, that was really hard. And it meant I had to change my strategy and start doing runs twice a day so I can have a whole day of recovery even things like keeping my apple watch charged like making sure I charge my watch every night was a challenge um and sacrificing other forms of exercise so I could run was another one so underlying so underlying the writing challenge is like okay so what am I actually going to write um getting the space and time to do so all of that underpins actually just sitting down and writing and finally lesson six is Make it public and make it visual. Like I said, I love a bit of public accountability and you want to find an app or a tool where you can share your result in real time. There's actually, I just love in this habit share app I'm using this year, which is free. If you want to use it, you can grab it. Um, And I just, all I do at the end of my writing session is the timer will go off, pen will go down and I click this green tick on the screen and just feel so satisfying. I also now just put into comments because you can track how you felt and what you've written. So I'm just tracking that every day as well. It just feels good. Um, and then you can take screenshots of that and pop it over on Instagram. With my run, every time I went out for a run, I'd track it. I'd take a unique photo because every run's a once-in-a-lifetime run and and share that. Visual boards are often great. Uh, we use them in business life to track things, to capture trends, percentages, to graph incidents. Um, and... Yeah, just think about how you can make what you're doing more visual. Is it just having a tick sheet? I know Sarah McVannell, my former business coach, she, and she's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, she has like a thermometer and she'll just chunk it down and just tick something off every day and fill up that thermometer. So something really visual might work for you. Before I go, I just wanted to say thanks to Inna Fisher because she shared an episode on the Flipchart Facebook group uh, where Tim Ferriss interviews Jerry Seinfeld all about um, his new book. But what Seinfeld really talks about on that episode is is his creative process for creating comedy, which is in the form of writing. And that is what really spurred me to start writing and this challenge this year is was really that episode. So I'll put it in the show notes. It's brilliant. One thing I love that I'll share with you is when Seinfeld talks about a time where he was rejected from an LA comedy club. And he said that rejection, it turned me from a a three-day-a-week writer to a seven-day-a-week writer, and as a result, everything changed for me. So this change that's really powerful, and the fact that we are, as facilitators, leading it means we need to role model it. So I encourage you all to try something, create some change in your own life, because that is the best signal for the people in your room. You can share your experience, share your lessons learnt, and I'd love to hear them too. If you're making a change, send me a DM on Instagram at Leanne Hughes, connect up with me on LinkedIn, 
Love having conversations with listeners with you on those platforms. If you're still chilling and relaxing in the first part of January, good on you. Well done. I need a bit more of that in my life. (laughs) But look forward to bringing you an interview next week. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for your time and attention and for tuning in to another episode of the First Time Facilitator podcast. Hit subscribe in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode in future and happy workshopping.